today's session is about cryptocurrency handling and storage. So it leads on nicely from our first topic, talking about, in general, uh, cryptocurrency decentralization, uh, as well as what cryptocurrency is. So, so the next thing is, how do I get it? How do I get it and store it? How do I store it? Right. So, uh, so welcome to the second episode of our cryptocurrency tutorial series hosted on the Telegram voice chat of Jetstar's official channel. Uh, these tutorials will be hosted in the form of casual discussions where community members and team members discuss various cryptocurrency topics. These are free to join, so simply join Jetstar's official channel on Telegram if you want to join in the discussion. Uh, chats recorded, but voices are anonymized unless you choose to verbally identify yourself. So yeah, so as I said, we're going to be talking about cryptocurrency handling and storage today. Uh, so I just wanted to, before I, I jumped into it, I just wanted to carry on from where we left off. So just wanted to reiterate what uh, distributed ledger technology is and um, blockchain being one of it. Uh, basically the fact that there is one big de decentralized ledger in which everyone's transactions is always maintained in real time in a decentralized way. So everyone always knows what's going on in the blockchain all the time, at least for coins uh, and tokens that are not privacy tokens. Okay, so everything is on the ledger. When you have something on the ledger, it's, it's a record there that everyone else can see. Uh, it's not really in your pocket or something that is private to you. Uh, it's just there. Okay, so with regard to that, really when we talk about handling and storage, it's really about how you handle your address on the ledger and how you, you, know, you send things, receive things, um, and how you make sure that the address that everyone can see there, that it's public, um, can only be accessed by you or, or by people that you trust. Okay, so, so let's moving on, the, uh, therefore, to handling. So let's talk about handling first. So think back, I want everyone to think back, way back to when you first started your crypto journey. And I like some audience participation here. So how did you buy your first crypto? And, and where did you buy it from? Gosh, I bought my first Bitcoin on Mt. Gox uh, okay. eight, nine years ago. <laughs> yeah, and how did, how, did you, how did you buy it? Let me think about that. I think, I, uh, yeah, I attached my bank account. Yeah, that, okay, and then you kind of transferred money, is it? And then you traded mm -hmm. that money, the fiat money for Bitcoin. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Anyone else have any, any other things to share about how they first first got into crypto? <laughs> or, or how they first bought their crypto? Hey, this is crazy, Joe. Yeah. Um, yeah, my first venture into cryptocurrency, actually, I guess I wouldn't say I bought tokens, but was uh, through Robinhood. My first uh, venture into crypto was uh, on Robinhood, and uh, I, I uh, had those at that time. Right, okay. Um, yeah, so so obviously, what I'm trying to get through here is, is it's quite hard to just jump straight into crypto unless someone's donated something to you. So, so unless you know someone's given you ethereum uh, in which case you probably can start without ever having linked the bank account but if no one gave you anything and you started with your own money then you kind of have to go through a, a centralized um 
process. So kind of uh, Mount Gox, um, we're thinking Mount Gox, we're thinking uh, Robin Hood, um, where you, you use your tokens, you use your, your money, your bank, and you bought the, the Bitcoin on a centralized exchange. Um, I think that there are other ways as well to buy directly such that you pay and then it goes straight into your wallet. And, and those were especially common long ago, even before uh, these centralized exchanges uh, from places like local Bitcoins, where you literally had to pay someone, you know, maybe even in physical cash for them to transfer Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency direct to your wallet. So in which case, obviously, it didn't get through um, the, the centralized exchange. Um, so that's the very start of the journey of handling crypto uh, for most people. Um, and then how did you get that? So let's say you, you use your card and you bought that. How did you then convert it to, since we are Jetstar channel, you know, uh, how did you then convert that to Jetstar? Does, any, does anyone want to share about how they, you know, from the, from the card to buying something on a centralized exchange like Mountain Gox, like, like Robinhood, and then converting it to Jetstar? Um, how, how did people do that? Yeah, I could share the process that I go through yeah. traditionally. So mm. I would, uh, you know, link my bank account to crypto.com is what mm. I use for my centralized exchange, um, which has, you know, my bank account and everything attached. Um, I will acquire BNB on crypto.com and then I would send my BNB over to my trust wallet. Once I've received the BNB in my trust wallet, I swapped it to smart chain if it needed to be. Mm. Um, and then through dApps, because I have an Android on my trust wallet, or because I have Android, um, through the dApps tab, I'm able to go into PancakeSwap and uh, purchase Jet. Yeah, uh, and then swap it via PancakeSwap, isn't it? So there's a, very, a few things we touched on there. So obviously, uh, first of all, uh, you know, I guess, I guess you can buy BNB directly now um, using the, the, the money on the centralized exchange, but some people might have started with Ethereum or Bitcoin and that's fine. So I guess the first step is um, in terms of handling the crypto um, is moving from uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever crypto you purchase, changing that into BNB, I'm guessing through the centralized exchange. I guess there's other ways you can do it, but you can also do it through a centralized exchange. And then from there, there's one very big step in the handling process and that's where you change from your from the centralized exchange the kex moving it to your trust wallet isn't that isn't that what you said so trust wallet and that's a big difference there because in the centralized exchange um you don't actually own the crypto yet uh it's it's on it's on their systems almost like how much money you are attributed uh you know your, your bank account statement when you open your bank account um Right, so it's all centralized in the same way. Texas are quite centralized, and that and that's okay in terms of the the handling process because it makes it a bit easier. And then the moment you change it, you you move it to your trust wallet, then it goes into the actual uh, wallet. Your address going back to what I said about a decentralized ledger, it goes into an address that you own. So that that interface is very. Uh, very important to note, you see. So from, from a Kex where you don't actually own your own wallet to a, to a DEX, where, uh, not, not a DEX, not, I mean, uh, your, to your own wallet where you actually own the crypto. Um, and and um, at that point in time, 
that BNB becomes yours. So within Trust Wallet, um, your, your BNB uh, is on the ledger. Everyone can see that you have that BNB. Whereas while you're still on the CAX, uh, no, one can read, no one knows how much BNB you have. Okay. I think uh, Crazy also mentioned something else. And that was the fact that from the Trust Wallet, he converted it to the BSC chain. So that's, that's really important to know as well, specifically for Jetstar, because uh, it's a BNB token. Uh, there are two chains for, Jet, uh, for Binance coin, and, and many people get confused with this. So the first one is BEP2, um, and that's Binance's own blockchain. Um, and tokens can exist in that blockchain, but it's quite separate from the tokens that exist as BNB on the BSC blockchain, um, where Jetstar lives. So Jetstar lives on the, on the BEP20 blockchain. And the, for that, Binance coin exists on that as the gas, as, as the main token, uh, but it exists in a different way. It exists as a BS, uh, BNB BSC, um, so a Binance Smart Chain version of BNB. And that's a little bit of handing there because what you've actually done is you've changed from one decentralized ledger, one blockchain to another blockchain, um, but they're equivalent tokens. Um, and just going back a bit to just, uh, just deviating a bit, um, our cred, I don't know if, if people remember from last lesson, uh, our cred is going to be blockchain agnostic in the future as well. So in the same way that BNB can, can change, you know, it can convert from BNB, BEP2 uh, to BEP20. Uh, you, you would be able to convert CRED uh, from B, BSC, uh, from the BSC chain, so Binance Smart Chain, to uh, anything else, you know, um, or as many chains as we can get on, you know, Polygon, Matic, uh, and that's, that's all really exciting. Um, does everyone understand that part so far about handling, moving from, from KEX, to then your own wallet, then uh, converting it to the BSC version, uh, such that now you have the the Binance coin sitting in your wallet as a BSC token. Uh, does everyone understand that, or is is anyone confused about that? Makes sense to me. Good, good, good. Okay, okay. So, so obviously, uh, once once you're on the correct blockchain, so once you're on, on the Binance Smart Chain, uh, then uh, it's easy to then buy Jed. Now, more a bit more about handling. So the, I guess the last part, uh, choosing the token that you want, you might you have to make sure that the token that you want to buy. Let's say you are buying it from a Dex, uh, is on the is on the chain that you have your assets on. So in this case. If you're using Binance coin to buy Jed, then you have to be on the BSC. So you just go to PancakeSwap uh, and then you just say, okay, swap BSC for Jetstar. And then at that point in time, um, it will be swapped in a decentralized way such that uh, you know, your, your, B your BNB will go out of your wallet and then your, uh, jets, your Jet tokens will come into your wallet. And again, it goes back into, obviously, it goes back into your address. And uh, this address is the same address that is uh, visible to everybody. So everyone knows that you've done this swap and everyone knows that you hold 
the jet. So that's kind of how we handle it. What, what else can we do with the jet? Um, let's say now the jet is in your wallet. What other things can you do in terms of handling uh, the jet? Exchange it for another token. Exactly. Yeah. So you can you can exchange it for another token. I, I believe PancakeSwap uh, allows that, and some other swaps allow that. Sometimes they even allow you to change jet to something else direct, directly, even without going through BNB. Um, obviously, all the conversions are done in the background on the decks. Uh, what else? What else can you do? Like simple things. That is not, not a difficult question. Like, really, really simple things. You have jet in your wallet. What can you do? I guess you could technically split it to another wallet if you wanted absolutely. to. Absolutely, yeah. So, so thank you. So uh, that's handling, isn't it? So moving it to another wallet on the blockchain. Now, one thing you can't do yet is put it back into a KEX because we don't have a KEX yet. Um, so um, apart from putting it into another wallet, you can put it back into, if we had a, a centralized exchange, let's say, uh, we were on uh, Exchange X. I, I can't. I can't say exactly what, uh, what exchange that we're going. We're trying to get on. But let's say you know we are on Exchange X. You know you can move your jet back there. In which case, what will happen is it will go into uh, the centralized wallet of a, a centralized exchange, and they will credit you the amount of jet that that you should um, that you've deposited, so that you can make trades freely within. Um, your centralized exchange. You see. So you can do that as well. You can, um, and then you can change it for another token within the text and you can move it in and out um, as and when you like. Uh, always noting when it goes from, from central, a central entity to a, de um, a decentralized entity, which is your own wallet. Uh, so you can split it, you can sell it. Um, and when you, when you do all this, you really need to be within in your wallet itself, so you need to have your keys, and you need to be uh, you need to have access to the wallet um, to be able to do all these. Obviously, you can also give it to someone else. Um, the way the way you do that is, you know, obviously, if you are using depending on what interface you use, you know, you just press send. So you have um, this obviously just 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 being just going back to. It the real basics that most of you would already know this but it's just just to kind of really solidify it in your mind when when you want to send the token you send it to someone else's public address on the blockchain so basically what you're doing is just if you picture the ledger uh you move you you move one of you move your tokens from your address um on the ledger to a separate address uh on the ledger um and all these is all recorded so everyone can see that the move was made um, and obviously they're, they're irreversible move. Hello, can everyone still hear me? Sorry. Yep. Yeah, okay. Does, does anyone have any questions at all about handling? It's quite straightforward, really. Okay, um, right. So in between handling and storage, I just wanted to discuss um, something else about your addresses. Um, straddles in between handling and storage. This is about private keys and seed phrases. So can anyone tell me um, what a private key is in, in terms of crypto? Would the private key just be like a password to access the wallet? Or like would the private key be like your uh, trust wallet or ledger or that kind of thing? 
Yeah, yeah. So so close. So private key exists within uh, the interface uh, that you use. So um, the private key is so just I'm just on the Vestipedia. So private key, what they say is so it's a secret number that is used in cryptocurrency similar to a password. Um, in cryptocurrency, private keys are used to sign transaction and prove ownership of a blockchain address. Um, it is a large randomly generated number with hundreds of digits um, that allows you to unlock your wallet. So this private key, it's like a password that you can't really change because the private key itself is the encoded digits that allow you to unlock your wallet. So um, just going back a bit, so before Trust Wallet uh, and MetaMask made things easier, um, I don't know if people remember something called My Ether Wallet. So we're talking a little bit about Ethereum now, but it's the same concepts as, as B, uh, BSC. Um, does anyone remember My Ether Wallet? I think it's still around, but um, you know, creating a, a wallet, one of the web websites like, like that. Does everyone remember that? If, if you don't, it's okay. So basically, um, when, when you created a wallet online, um, all they gave you was this private key. Um, and you were, you were supposed to be able to access your wallet from, from any interface that allowed you to do it using this private key. Um, because the private key is directly integrated into the blockchain such that when you use this specific string of letters and numbers, it opens your address specifically. Um, and that's also why it can't be changed. So yes, it is like a password, but a password that can't be changed. So such that if someone else finds it out, um, you know, they'll always have access to that, to that address on the blockchain. This is, a, this is important, obviously, because you need to keep your private key safe. And I guess that's why it leads me into storage as well. But it is integral. It is part of the blockchain. What about seed phrases? What? Does anyone know what a seed phrase is or what's the difference between that and a private key? A seed is a word um, yeah. that you use to unlock your wallet. Absolutely. Um, and actually, the words that you use were really important. Unlock your wallet, um, not your address, unlock your wallet. Now, seed phrase, um, it's usually a string of 12 to 24 words that unlocks your your entire wallet and the wallet includes and, and especially for smart wallets all the crypto within it so it's it's as if so while the 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 private key unlocks one address the seed phrase because it's usually used for entire wallets that include for instance like trust wallet a wallet that includes your your um bitcoin uh, ethereum you know um and and everything else basically the the single um, seed phrase can actually unlock all of it at the same time because that seed phrase uh, contains um, an unlocking mechanism for all the separate private keys that you have. So let's say a wallet has um, a hundred. So for ledgers, you do have hundreds, a hundred Ethereum addresses. Um, one Bitcoin address, one NEO address, one XRP address. Um, the seed phrase, when you key it in, unlocks all of it at the same time. 
um, such that, so that, and that's why you say, uh, you know, when when we are when we are dealing with ledgers, you, you never ever uh, put your seed phrase anywhere else, or I mean, keep it safe. Because if you lose a seed phrase, uh, you don't just lose your Ethereum for one wallet; you lose all the Ethereum, all the Neo, all the Bitcoin from every from that's all attached to that seed phrase. You see, um, so just read just read your definition. Uh, from Coinbase, uh, just to solidify it. So a seed phrase is a series of words generated by your cryptocurrency wallet that give you access to the crypto associated with that wallet. Think of a wallet as being similar to a password manager for crypto and the seed phrase as being like the master password. As long as you have your seed phrase, you'll have access to all the crypto associated with the wallet that generated the phrase, even if you delete or lose the wallet. Um, and this, even if you delete or lose the wallet, is the whole reason why even if, if you have a hardware wallet, which you're going to uh, in a bit, uh, even if you lose it, you won't lose your crypto if you still have your seed phrase because you just buy a new uh, ledger and put the same seed phrase in and you'll resurrect your old wallet that you've lost. Okay, so that's seed phrases and private keys. Does anyone have any questions specifically about those? Because you really need to understand this uh, when thinking about handling and storage is really crucial um mainly storage because now we're going on to storage see uh i kind of have a question what do you recommend is like the best way to like store your seed phrase i've heard of people like etching it into metal and keeping that somewhere yes uh, you, yes is that really the best way or do you have any other more <laughs> i don't want to say realistic but any any other any other ways of, of handling that that's a really good question, actually. So, so um, as part of the capitalism, you know, ledger they they do sell this titanium kind of uh, <laughs> what they call it, titanium kind of um, little bottle, isn't it, or a little capsule that allows you to write your seed phrase in um, and then store it. The the best way is is the way that you feel would be the safest because remember, crypto is decentralized. Crypto is being about your own bank. Whatever way you feel is best. Is the best way now what i would say is i know i really didn't, didn't really answer that question very well but what i would say is um you know make sure you don't hide it so well that you lose it from yourself because sometimes people are so scared that it's stolen from them that they hide it really well um and then suddenly they <laughs> they've, they've misplaced it and they can't find it you see so so do make sure that you can always access it uh it's in a safe place uh safe enough from other people to take but not too safe that it's also too safe for you personally um i i will share in terms of my seed phrases um for wallets i have different ways of handling them based on whether or not and i'm going to this soon hot wallet or cold wallet you see so whether or not it's for long term or for something that i don't have much money in because let's say you, you made a wallet on trust wallet like a separate wallet and it has like hundred bucks in it and you're using it to make quick transactions I, I literally put that um you know on my notes in my phone or something so don't steal my phone otherwise you'll see all my hot wallet seat faces. <laughs> but um it's you know so so that you know if i do lose the hot wallet i was like oh you know what i, I have a seat face to have whereas for cold wallets or wallets for long-term storage um I, I i don't i don't tend to do that you know i tend to write it on a piece of paper uh and keep it safely. And I guess that's what those titanium containers are for. So I, I would adjust how you store the seed phrase and private key based on how hot or cold the wallet is. is that, does that make sense? Sorry. No. 
Yeah. Yep. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I guess. I guess. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Go on. So, sorry. I can share with you like what I do on my end. Maybe it will interest you. Maybe not. But uh, the idea that I do. So, so once I got the the the, the twelve uh, words, actually, what I do is like I I add noise to them. I add a lot of words to that to that situation. That if I keep the the long the long phase. Just yeah. just one second. Even if I keep the long word uh, like in public, uh, normally people should do like many combinations. It's, it's, it's inimaginable. And what I keep on different places separate from these words is like a binary code, like one and zero. One being like the word is, is the good one and zero is like a, a dummy word or like noise. And this one and zero code, this is what I keep like on different places and it's not attached directly to the to the long phrase that I have. So this is my, my way like of keeping it secret and on the same way have like redundancy uh, of the one zero, the binary code. So this is my way to do it. I, I don't know if it's interesting for you guys. Yeah, no, actually, this, that's why I like discussions like this because, you know, it brings up different opinions uh, and things that I, did, I didn't mention. Actually, what you said, I, I do, I've been doing for the last four years, so I also add noise, I also encrypt it. I just, I just didn't, didn't remember to say it. So absolutely, that's one of the things that you can do. So let's say you have a seed phrase um, that has 12 words, add 50 more words if you want, but just, just obviously make sure you remember what were the words you added. <laughs> Otherwise that will defeat the purpose. Or you encrypt them you know, separately yourself. So you, know, you, you make binary code like what uh, Crypto AI said, you know, um, and make sure that, but always make sure that you know how to work backwards uh, and uh, and uncover the code again. Uh, because I think at least once, um, it was not for a wallet that really mattered, but at least once I'm sure I encoded a wallet so well that I didn't know how to put the pieces back together again. I think I eventually did, <laughs> it took me a while. Um, because I, I can't remember if I, if I did it one way or the other. Sometimes I even just do something as simple as uh, reversing the words. If it's not a really cold wallet, you know, just reversing the words. Just, you know, when you store it from 1 to 12, and then you store it from 12 to 1 instead. Or what I do is make it from 12 to 6, and then 1 to 5, or something like that. And then just remember that, that I mixed up the words, <laughs> and, then, and then just put it back. So, um, you know, it's varying things you can do. Anyone else want to share how you, how you store, store? Yeah, I can, I can share what I do. So um, it's, it's in line with what everyone is doing. Um, but, you know, as, as Ben and, and uh, Crypto AI brought out, you know, if someone finds your code or your cipher, right, your actual key. So if you write 50 words and, you know, you put 0, 1, 0, 1, 1, 1, and then, you know, those, that, those represent your actual, um, uh, which one, which words are actually, you know, good. Um, then, then you know, it's found out as well. So what I personally like to do is I'll I'll make a, I'll make a page of a hundred words, but the words that are relevant to the key phrase, I'll pick a significant um, a set of numbers in you know for my life, so that uh, even if even if like uh, so you know let's say let's say you know I used uh, uh, just out of you know, randomness, my, my dog's birthday, right? So, uh, you know, let's say it's, you know, you know, June 12th or something. So it's, it, you know, it's six, one, two, right. Then you can, you can basically say every, 
it's it's every sixth word, then the next, then the the uh, one word after that, and then one, and then two words after that, and then you start over again. But you know that way you're not writing down your cipher. It's just you know you know personally something that you'll never forget. Uh, but obviously, don't don't use your address, don't use your phone number, don't use your PIN. You know, but just pick another number. And you also have to remember digital legacy. Um, you know, uh, things can happen. Uh, you know, a friend of mine got into a car accident. Fortunately, uh, they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't lose their lives. But things do happen. So when you do something like that, then you you know you can basically tell your family or your next of kin. Um, and if they know you, you can be like, you can be like, oh, you know, it was Chippy's birthday. The code's Chippy's birthday, and right before you go, and they'll know, right? So, um, so that's that's the method I would use, uh, so that even if you know, if you uh, were to write something, you know, so even though you didn't have to write your cipher down, you know what your cipher is. Yeah, that, that's really important, actually. So I guess I could share it, uh, this, Terry, because probably it's related. Um, but yeah, I was, I was going to go for, I, I went for a procedure um, a, a few weeks ago. I, I'm, I'm recovered now, I'm fine. But, but right before I went in, I did, I did tell my wife what, what my, my code was. Um, and she still doesn't understand it. So, but, you know, just in case anything happened, you know, it was just, it's just one of those things, because it would be quite sad if you, if you do have all of that that money and then it's just all gone because you're gone. I guess you could take the the thing about, oh, if, if you're dead, no one else matters. <laughs> no, but if you care about other people, you know, uh, make sure some people know how to still get get to your cryptos um, so that they can benefit from it if, if, some, if the worst happens, touch wood. Uh, obviously, if you share your direct seed phrase or uh, address and obviously you fall out with them, just obviously just remember that you can never uh, change those again because those are locked into the blockchain or, or the wallet that that you that you use. You see, so uh, so you can't just change your change your password when you fall out with with someone um, that you share it with. So make sure the people you share it with are really trustworthy. Right. Okay. So just moving on. Um, I think we're we're good. Uh, we're doing good for time. So moving on to storage per se. So we've 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 moved from handling, and then we were talking a little bit about private keys, keys that open your address directly on the blockchain, uh, and then wallets um, and the seed phrases for wallets that open your entire wallet, right? So uh, seed phrases that uh, encrypt uh, hundreds and hundreds of private keys. So moving on to storage, there are two broad ways that people store cryptos, in my opinion, um, and that's Texas and your own wallet, right? That, you know, because actually, if you think about just the general population, a lot of people still don't, inverted commas, own their own crypto. Um, you know, for, for example, a few, I think eToro does let you own it-ish own it now. But a few years ago, it was even where, you know, when you, inverted commas, bought into crypto, you were just uh, buying into what was a representation of the crypto. So, so you bought, let's say you bought Bitcoin on eToro, uh, when it went up and went down, it was it wasn't even attributed to you. It was uh, based on the fact that uh, it was moving the money was moving along with the fund with a fund that had Bitcoin. Um, I think they've moved a bit away from that now, such that I think you you can oh you know you can own and see how much actual Bitcoin you have on eToro. But things like uh, 
Coinbase Pro, not 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 specifically the Coinbase wallet, but you know Coinbase Pro, um, and other centralized exchanges, even Binance. You know, a lot of people hold crypto on Texas, and it's not. You know, if you are really doing big, big, fast trades on crypto, uh, that's fine because that goes back to the fact that your your wallets or, or your crypto is hot. So you 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 can trade. You if you like to day trade, you can do it that way. Um, and some people also store the cryptos on the Kex, uh, but they have to be, you know, you have to be very, very um, sure that your, you know, the Kex won't suddenly just run away or that, you know, you will always have access to the Kex. Although the good thing is, um, if it's on the Kex, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating long-term, long-term storage on the Kex in any way, but if it's on the Kex, and you do lose your password and everything, um, there are ways to kind of get it back as opposed to if you really held your own crypto. Uh, so that's something to think about. Does, that, does anyone here, you know, and, and there's not, no judgment because I, I have some cryptos on the Kex that I hold long-term, <laughs> uh, but very little. Does anyone else here have anything to say about holding cryptos on the Kex, on a centralized exchange for, for long-term? Well. I mean, I'm I'm kind of getting back into crypto again. Like I said, I, yeah. I purchased a long time ago on Mt. Gox, and mm. that whole experience left me a little uh, <laughs> bitter on crypto for a while. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I've gotten back into it within the last year, and I've been using. I, someone said Crypto.com earlier, and I've been using that uh, as well. One thing I do like about them is if you buy into their um, into their CRO coin, um, yeah. they'll let, they'll give you increased interest rates on um kind of like when you put earn uh so if you if you want to maybe put your bitcoin on there for a month or three months it'll increase the interest rates they give you and it may not be like the best uh way to increase your earnings but you know when they give you like i don't even know what the rates are now maybe six seven percent back it's, it's not so bad and as you said there's the benefit of you know if you lose your keys or whatnot uh there are ways of getting it back so those are kind of like silver linings for me for holding on a on a kex yeah yeah uh, no absolutely no you, you mentioned something very important actually and and it's a, the earning isn't it you know a lot of kexes encourage you to hold on the kex we all know that's about in general but a lot of kex, uh, they, they do that by putting interest rates by putting uh like cro coin giving giving back isn't it if you hold on the kex uh so yeah that that's something that you know, you might want to think about if you want to do long-term storage, but, you know, for a portion that you think, okay, I know the risk of Kex and the, the risk is that they could, they could run away, they could take my crypto. It's centralized, so I don't really own it. But on the other hand, um, it's easier to trade, um, obviously, for storage. You know, um, that would be more along the side, lines of hot wallet. But even for the cold wallet side, um, they, I get interest, isn't it? And sometimes the interest is really good. <laughs> Five six percent or even ten percent APR. Sometimes it just goes even higher than that in terms of APR. Um, and and also for Binance, I think they do they do do things like the BNB Vault, where you you do get to earn uh, Launchpad coins. You know, so different kinds of tokens launching on the Launchpad, um, and that's also you know some incentive to hold it there. So you know, it's 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 just things to think about. You know, there's obviously pros and cons. Um, but in general, for super long-term storage, um, just know that Texas are still centralized in the end. Uh, you know, 
that that's what the C is in Texas, centralized exchange. Yeah. So, so hey, Ben, um, um, hey, yeah. hey, ben this, yeah. is, uh, this is Terry. I just wanted to add uh, one thing, especially for uh, those who are in the United States. Um, I know, uh, you know, the U.S. I'll be first to say that the U.S. is not the center of the universe when it comes to uh, anything, especially in uh, in crypto. But for those who, for those of us who are in the United States, obviously, you've been hearing on the news about um, the new legislation that's being passed and, and cryptocurrencies and so forth. Um, one of the things that uh, you have to consider. I was talking to my accountant about it, and um, you know, as as companies or you know, more and more companies are opening institutional uh, accounts. Uh, so if you have a company or your company has a, uh, or you work for a company, uh, you know, uh, cryptocurrency is not going anywhere. But it's interesting that one of the the um, one of the recommendations um, that the uh, accounting firms are recommending for U.S. residents, at least, is that the IRS. Um, seems to um, favor uh, Texas and exchanges only because, um, as you as you well know, uh, the community well knows the whole KYC situation. Uh, you know they they you know they do that, um, and at the at the same time, um, they have records, and a lot of them will send you at the end of the year for your tax purposes your trading history, and uh, you know they'll aggregate all that information for you. So. Um, that's one of the things that you may want to to consider, and uh, a lot of you know a lot of the dusting uh, dusting attacks or or things like that. Uh, sometimes it's actually from contractors uh, hired by um, set agencies um, to basically you know figure out whose wallets you know whose wallets what from. Um, from a you know from a tax liability standpoint, right? The IRS is going to try to you know, get uh, everything as possible. So uh, that's also, that's one of the things that you may want to consider um, is, uh, you know, moving forward as as this stuff gets more restrictive and more regulated, um, KEXs are going to be uh, more utilized, at least in the United States. And it's really important for everyone to pick a reputable one, uh, as well as KEXs that offer uh, some sort of insurance, uh, uh, you know, products, just like the FDIC. Um, I think uh, the, the insurance is up to, um, either if they go under, the government basically will insure up to, uh, I think, 300 or 400,000. So uh, just, you know, just remember that as well. Um, and why they're pushing Texas is because they it's easier for them to go after one organization and say, give us your records than it is millions of people and ask them for their records uh but just keep that in mind yeah so such an such an important thank you perry that's such an important thing that we didn't talk about that now has been discussed um obviously the texas a lot of them will have your information so it's so easy for you for them to find how much exactly you have and you know if you're if you're an open trader that's not that that's not necessarily a bad thing because it's you know they're trying uh, their way of trying to legitimize crypto, isn't it? You know, and and if you've made a certain amount of money and you say, okay, I'll pay tax on that, uh, and you can prove it, then that then that's absolutely fine. Um, you know, it's it's about them having you know a bit more the government having a bit more control over the crypto. Um, another thing I would add to that as well is obviously if a kex if you have money in a kex uh, and it just everything just goes 
wrong, you know, and, and suddenly the, the government shut everything down. You know, taxes are still centralized and they can always uh, still block uh, withdrawals or anything like that, just at will or, or, just, or just leave. Um, some, some, some taxes came up and then they just, they just rugged and the proper rug every, everyone, you know. So just things to think about in terms of taxes. Yes, you weigh up the earnings, Versus, oh, I could, I could lose everything. Um, and that's probably why I would recommend uh, for very long-term storage, definitely not, not taxes. Uh, but, you know, it's things to think about. You know, we, you know, these sessions are just for you to consider things and, and understand everything so that you can make your own decisions. Um, so going, so hot wallets and cold wallets. Okay, good. So with that was uh, Texas. As storage and then obviously your own self-storage. So this is where we, we go uh, to real hot wallets and cold wallets. So hot wallets and cold wallets, they, they just mean um, how frequently you are using your crypto. Because the more frequently you use a wallet, the hotter it is. Um, because technically, every time you open your wallet, you know, um, you're exposing it, isn't it? Uh, as opposed to not opening, it's like it's like if you own a house and you go in, uh, go in and out every day, as opposed to uh, bolting the door of a of a house and just uh, keeping it, you know, keep, not ever going in uh, and and hiding the location of that house, you know. Uh, so one is uh, one is a bit more secure uh, than the other. In terms of hot wallets, usually they are wallets that you use um, that that you can trade without needing. To, to sign extra uh, you know to, to sign extra transactions uh, to do extra steps in order to make a transaction for instance like going back to what I said about my ether wallet putting in your private key directly and then making trades directly off um, a browser uh, which which is very uncommon now or just using your trust wallet or metamask on your phone or metamask app on your um, on your computer. You can store what uh, you can store crypto there, uh, but it, it doesn't it doesn't really give any uh, you know it doesn't really give any interest. Um, and obviously, if you happen to log on to a scam website, for example, um, then then the hot wallet will be drained. Um, and you know we always try and be very careful. With it. You know that's the first thing you learn in crypto, isn't it? Always be careful with your private keys with your with what you what you do. Um, in terms of connecting your wallet to certain websites. But sometimes, you know, you will still get hit. I've, I've been scammed. Um, but that's because that's I was sometimes in a rush to do a transaction. So never be in a rush to do a transaction. Uh, but, so, you know, no matter how careful you are, if you use your wallet a lot and connect it to all sorts of places, then um, you might, you know, you might, you might lose everything. So that's why I recommend for hot wallets. They're important because that's what you used to do trading and to, to buy new cryptos. Um, but I wouldn't store lots and lots of value on it. And, and, this, and, and this is important because uh, I consider a lot of the wallet apps, so in, including Trust Wallet, including MetaMask, including Rainbow, um, including even Coinbase, uh, Coin, Coinbase Wallet, they're all hot wallets because there's, there's no extra security. You can just access it um, off your phone without needing to do any, anything else. And yet, a lot of people still store on a, on a hot 
uh, on a hot wallet or on a wallet that is easy to um, do transactions on. How many people here, just a, a quick show of hands, how many people here um, have all their JED? Um, actually, I, I probably shouldn't ask that because, <laughs> no. um, sorry, don't answer that. But, but if you have all your JED on a hot wallet um, or a wallet that's easy to transact, then probably uh, try and think about moving it to a, a more a colder wallet, especially if you're not thinking of selling um, in the near future. Um, so that's cold wallets. Now, in terms of hot, uh, sorry, that was hot wallets. In terms of cold wallets, what things do people, you know, what, what ways do people know uh, about how people can make the wallet cold or can make a wallet um, more, you know, use, use more secure ways of storing their crypto? What, what secure ways of storing their crypto do people know for long term? Uh, they make those uh, USB thumbstick type deals that yeah. um, have like the interface built in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's um, hardware wallets. So cold wallet is different from hardware wallet. Sometimes people use them synonymously, but they're actually different. So a hardware wallet is things like Ledger, Trezor, uh, where they store um, your private keys, but it's not so easy to make a transaction. Uh, because every time you make a transaction, you have to physically sign it. Uh, and that's, that's the extra step uh, in terms of security. So, and the, the reason why they are, they are usually cold uh, is because it is a hassle if you're doing lots of trades to always be signing something. Uh, and it is, it is a hassle to have the physical, because you need the physical uh, hardware wallet on you to make every transaction. Uh, it is a bit of a hassle. Um, if you if you sign if you need to sign every transaction uh, physically, um, what other what other ways are there to have a very secure storage? I think we discussed this a bit earlier as well. Um, in terms of having a wallet that you don't really use often, is there any other way? Any other things? I do know of copper coins which are used as cold wallets. They are preloaded, or probably you can just ask them to mint a coin for you a physical coin in fact which has a uh, you know a set of cryptos that you can actually store yes. and uh, they would give you just a private key where you can access it whenever you want so that's one way that i know of. yes yes and actually this ties in a little bit with paper wallets so in the past people had paper wallets where you put um, you physically wrote the private key, and in, in this way, you're talking about an etching, isn't it? It's the same kind of same result in the end. You you they wrote it yeah. on a on a piece of uh, you know on a on a piece of paper and stored that paper very very carefully. We talked about this a little bit earlier. I think Chris mentioned putting it in the little um, titanium holder um, and making sure that you put you, you put the correct key first of all. Uh, you write it correctly, uh, and then you put the little piece of paper in, in the titanium tube and then you keep it safely. And then Mr. Aslan is talking about uh, encrypting it, you know, etching it physically somewhere and putting that in a really, really safe place, maybe even an actual safe, you know, so putting the code in an actual safe, uh, almost as if you're storing a gold bar or, or you know, a collection of gold bars, isn't it? So make, make sure that that actual code is very, very safe and not, not putting them in the hot wallets. 
uh, or hot wallet interfaces. So um, going back again to uh, our basic concepts about having a ledger, having an address that opens, uh, so having the private key that opens an address, what these wallets do, so Trust Wallet, MetaMask, what they do is that they, they have your private keys within them. So when you access your crypto's address using the Trust Wallet, it, it, it bypasses that step for you um, and allows you to access it by opening the wallet uh, in the background uh, using the private key that isn't shown to you. Um, if you then put that code in your trust wallet, then it kind of defeats the purpose of making it a code wallet because then it, then it becomes a hot wallet. Um, separately, uh, just, just to veer off a little bit, you can do the reverse and access your trust wallet and MetaMask uh, and access and force the private key out of those um, of those things. So you, you, can, you can say, show me the private key. And they'll say, are you sure you want to see the private key? And just say yes. And then you'll be able to see the private key that you extract from the wallet. So that's why these wallets are all interfaces. You, see, you can extract the wallet and you can put that same private key anywhere else. Or what you could even do is you could make a new wallet, extract the private key, write it down, and delete the wallet of the trust wallet. So then that, then that becomes... Uh, an address that's only accessible on the piece of paper that you've written. Does that make sense a little bit? So, so making a code wallet is, means taking it off as many interfaces as you can. Um, in terms of hardware wallet, you can't really take out the private key because when you pay for a hardware wallet like Trezor, like Ledger, what you are paying for is the extra encryption that comes about before you are able to do a transaction and the extra encryption that keeps the private keys safe, you see. So if you really, really, really wanted to, there is probably a way where you can use a seed phrase and directly take out all the address um, private keys, but then obviously that just uh, defeats the purpose of having bought the ledger in the first place. So when you pay £100 for your Ledger Nano X or £60 uh, for your uh, Ledger Nano S, what you're paying for is the extra step of encryption before that. So don't don't think about taking out your oops, don't think about taking out your, your cryptos uh, from no, don't think about taking out your private keys from those hardware wallets uh, because the extra encryption uh, makes it safer. I think I think we need another session to talk about specifically how to 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 deal with hardware wallets like Ledger and Trezor uh, in detail, but, but in general, that, that's what they do, uh, basically. Um, is there, does anyone have any questions about how to make an address more secure, more safe? If, you, if, you've, if you've used the hardware wallet, uh, so a hot wallet for a long time, like a trust wallet, and you want to make it cool, I guess what you could still do is you could uh, take out the private key, extract it, write it down on a piece of paper, and delete the wallet. But if you've connected it to too many sites, it's better to just probably make a, a new wallet um, and to transfer it there. Now, this brings me next to, to, a, to the next point um, I think Terry wanted me to discuss, which is transferring your cryptos from a, a hot wallet to a cold wallet. So let's say you, you didn't have the option or you didn't want to just try and make a hot wallet 
into a cold wallet, which is probably not advisable. And you wanted to transfer the crypto to a new address that was secure from the start, for instance, the hardware wallet, then um, just make sure that you remember that when you transfer cryptos that have taxes, um, most of the taxes, not just GED, but most of the, the cryptos will, will see those transactions as sales. So um, I, I don't like using um, Saitama as an example, but using Saitama as an example, if you transfer Saitama from one ledger, uh, from one from your hot wallet to your ledger, you will pay tax. If you transfer Jed from your wallet, your cold uh, your hot wallet, your trust wallet to the ledger, you will pay seller's tax, not not just normal tax. Um, and obviously, so the amount of cryptos that you have uh, in your cold wallet or your secure uh, hardware wallet will be less. Uh, just just bear that in mind when when you make moves. Well, obviously, once you do that, then uh, your crypto is safer. So yeah, so, okay, I think we're, we're nearly done. So just a quick summary, because I like doing summary, summaries. So crypto handling and storage. So we've, we've very quickly run through, um, you know, from the very start, how we handle, isn't it? How we handle crypto um, in terms of buying it, first being born on the cats, moving to a... Uh, to your own wallet, uh, getting getting better at at knowing how addresses on a blockchain work, and then from there, uh, sending it to different people, sending it back to Texas, selling it, buying it. You know, so that's a bit of handling. Um, talked a little bit about the importance of private keys and how that's integral to the network, such that so integral that you can't change it. Same with seed phrases that open your entire wallet um, and open all the private keys in it. Um, again, those can't be changed either. So seed phrases and private keys both can't be changed. And then moving on to storage, um, Kexus, and then your own wallet. So Kex storage, uh, pros and cons. Pros, you know, earn percentage, easier to trade. Cons, you know, you might get completely shut down. Uh, and um, if you've KYC, the government, if they have access to your your Kex, uh, that the cats will know exactly what you've done um, in terms of trading. Um, and then moving on from there, we've talked about really secure wallets. So, um, so, so we move on to hot wallets first. So in terms of trust wallet, MetaMask, um, or even using your private key directly on the, on the website, um, which you can do if you're really, really confident uh, about how to use it. Um, trading cryptos fast, uh, and then going on to secure wallets. So paper wallet, etching things on a, a Bitcoin coin, uh, putting a piece of paper in the titanium tube. But at the same time, while you do that, making sure that it's still not linked to any of your hot wallet apps, uh, otherwise that defeats the purpose, or using a hardware wallet, uh, which is like Trezor, uh, Ledger, uh, where you can't really get scanned because every transaction that happens uh, will... Um, Will need to be signed. So I, I don't think I mentioned this, but let's say you use your ledger and you wanted to do a transaction and, and you were in a you used a computer with a really that was really buggy or had viruses and all that, you know. Let's say they you connected to a bad website, people still can't steal your tokens because remember every transaction needed to be physically signed. So what you will see if someone 
kind of, if you connect your wallet, uh, it will say, oh, uh, do you really want to do this transaction? Sign it on your device. And you're like, well, uh, someone wants to take out two Bitcoin from my wallet. And that obviously, I don't, I don't know what's going on. So you just press reject. And then whatever is going to happen, um, they, no one can even take that, that money, even if, even if you connect it to your, your, your ledger to a bad website. The only thing where you can still get scammed with a hardware wallet, and I have been before as well, is if you physically sign that transaction away to the, to the scammer, um, then, then you can obviously steal that scam. But, but then that's literally you pressing send and you confirming the, the scam transaction, um, in which case even the ledger can't save you uh, from, from, from a mistake like that. Um, but, but the ledger can save you from people wanting to access your wallet without you knowing. And, uh, you know, just make, make sure that, you know, we've said it many, many times, make sure you always keep everything safe, you know, hot, hot wallet or cold wallet, it doesn't matter. If you always make sure that you are safe, then your chance of being scammed, even with a very, very hot wallet, uh, you can try and minimize it. So I have some really hot wallets that are on multiple devices. I have the private key just open to me, like, you know, in my notes. And those are still, you know, those have been going on for like one or two years. No one has, no one has accessed my wallet yet, you see, yet. Um, I'm expecting it to be hacked at some point, but even if it does, it's, uh, it will. Uh, and I'm not going to lose much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you're always careful, even the hot wallet can be relatively safe. Um, also, another quick thing to add that there, there are now some wallets, uh, fake wallet apps such that, you know, if you, if you put crypto in it, then um, uh, the, the wallet developers can retrieve your um, private keys from the back end and they just take all your crypto. Um, so just make sure that you're downloading the correct private uh, wallet apps, especially some fake apps, even on the Google store that we found as well. So just always make sure you're not, you're not downloading the wrong, the, the bad uh, uh, scam wallet, because then, then you would have been um, messed up from, from the outset. Also, you know, in terms of buying hardware wallets, don't buy it from Amazon or anywhere else. You know, this is where they're clever. They've cornered the market. You can't get it cheaper. Just get it from the original websites and make sure the original websites you're on are also uh, real. So you, you go onto the real original website and you just buy it directly from there. If you want to buy a Trezor, you, buy, you, go, you go direct to the Trezor website. If you want to buy a Ledger, go direct to the Ledger website. Otherwise, you'll just be sent a scam wallet or a tampered uh, hardware wallet. And last but not least, I think we're, we're going to uh, round up here. But last, last but not least, circling back to the title of cryptocurrency storage, and handling, handling and storage. Um, it's an interesting title because it's actually erroneous in a way. It's, it's, it, you, you, when you handle and store crypto, um, especially the storing, I guess handling is true, but storing, we, we don't actually store it. Um, what you're doing is you're making sure that your keys to access your, your open, uh, the, the address on your ledger are safe and you can open it anytime you want. 